If you are uh, able to, would you please rise, please? Lord, we thank you for the blessings you have bestowed upon us. We thank you for the opportunity to gather here this morning. We thank you for allowing us to live in the greatest county of the greatest state of the greatest nation in the world. We ask that you provide us good judgment in our decisions today. We ask this in your name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Uh, county Clerk Brenda Feetson, would you lead us in the Pledge of Allegiance to the U.S. flag? I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. And now, Brenda, the fly, uh, pledge to the Texas flag, please. Honor the Texas flag. I pledge allegiance to thee, Texas, one state, under God, one and indivisible. Thank you very much. I make a motion that we open the meeting up. Second. Second by Commissioner Brosman. All in favor say aye. Aye. Our motion, our, our meeting is open. First item on our agenda is uh, approving the minutes from the previous meeting. I move we approve the minutes for the February 9th, 2023 regular meeting. Motion's been made to approve the minutes by Commissioner McBroom. Second. Second by Commissioner Sternoddle. All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. Public comments. We have a couple of individuals who have signed up. Sherry Cook. Yes, sir. And also Ed Coleman. All right. Whoever wants to start, go ahead, please. Um, I just want to come in. Uh, we live over on uh, Roundtop Road, there Deer Haven, there's a compressor station. Uh, that compressor station was there when we bought the property. There were a couple of uh, compressors. Yeah, depending on the wind, we could hear it. It wasn't too bad. Uh, they've recently totally remodeled and added a, a, a big compressor. And the noise levels are significantly different. Uh, I've tried to call the company just to get some information on what their plans were and did they plan any noise abatement. Uh, no response. And so here, to uh, not sure what to do, but uh, to maybe get some help and, uh, and having to put some noise abatement. Don't want to stop the process. We need gas, no doubt about it. It's just a matter of uh, noise. Uh, it's a unique compressor station. The one just down the road has noise abatement. I'm not sure why they didn't put it in. Anyway, I'm just here to, to uh, speak from, at least on my app, but I have myself as well as maybe some of the other homeowners in there. Ms. Cook? Hi, I'm Sherry Cook. I'm the owner of Busted Oak Cellars, and that compressor station is right by me. <laughs> so, um, I've been taking daily readings. It varies anywhere from 75 to 95, um, and it's just off my phone for the decibels. Uh, one of my neighbors actually hired a company that they did a report. I thought I'd give that to y'all. Uh, the owner for that report lives on Deer Haven, so it's all about him. And basically what he said was that the noise abatement, that if they were going to do a wall, would have to choose between the winery and them, that homeowner. Um, what, my husband's in the oil and gas business. I'm very pro oil and gas. I'm just asking them to be good neighbors. 
Uh, and when, it, when they blow down, it's way over 100. So they usually, when they have problems, a lot of times it's at night, which wakes me up. Um, I also bought the property when it was already there. There are no sound limitations for Fayette County. I, I just, we're going to ruin our, oil and gas is not going to go away. We're going to ruin our county if we don't have some kind of noise level limits. If OSHA says that if uh, the noise levels are above 80 at any time, then you have to wear like earplugs or something. The noise doesn't stop at the property line. Um, anyway, I just appreciate your consideration. Thanks. And we appreciate your comments. Okay. Uh, yes. yes, I'm sorry. Um, I just want to speak on behalf of the county clerk's office. If you've not heard it on the radio or seen it in the newspaper, um, we, the county clerk's office is now offering fraud alerts. And are we getting some phone calls? Why is there you know, concern? No, we're just trying to get ahead of the game. We're trying to be proactive. And with this fraud alert, it's free service to um, everybody <coughs> in the county. You just go to the county website. You go to the, the county clerk's page. And you, you sign up right there. And like I said, it's no charge, and it's just going to alert you when something's been recorded in our official public records. It's probably something that you've done, but one day when you know fraud is going to be a you know problem possibly in our county, at least we have something in place to let us know it's happening. So it's just being something proactive. It's not that we are seeing anything; it's being proactive. So if you have any questions, just give us a call at the county clerk's office. Okay, thank you, Brenda. Do I have a motion to approve public comments? I move we accept all comments and close public comment. Motion has been made by Commissioner Birkenhoff. Second. Second by Commissioner Brosman. All in favor say aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carries. <coughs> uh, Mr. Clint Sternoddle, I believe you're going to talk about the next three items on here. First one is consider and to take action concerning the application of Vineyard, Vineyard Vista? Is it Vineyard? Vineyard. Vineyard. Okay. Yes, sir. All right. Uh, so the first application here from the Vineyard Vista <laughs> LLC, uh, this is to carve out a single tract of land, 9.558 acres. Uh, this tract will have public road frontage on West Folks Road. And it meets all the frontage and size requirements of the county. The Carmine area, right? Yes, sir. Yes. Everything's good with it? Yes, sir. Mr. Bernson, do you want to make a statement about this item yes, on the sir. agenda? I have um, several comments and questions about the next three items. Um, this one, I've noticed there's only one, one lot. And in the motion, they're requesting consider and take appropriate action concerning application for the subdivision. And then when I look at the actual item, this level service notice that a variance has been or has not been granted. So it appears that you know, in addition to the subdivision application, they're asking for a variance from the planning requirements. And so I went through the planning requirements and I was looking at them, and I don't see that there's any exceptions to the planning requirements for this type of subdivision. It's not there. I went through the exception several times. It's just not there. So it makes sense to me that they're asking for a variance. Okay. 
in my opinion, there's something lacking from our subdivision regulations, and, and it's called an administrative procedure for administrative plats. If you're constantly granting a variance to an ordinance, then there is something wrong with your ordinance. Our ordinance needs a provision for administrative plats for really simple subdivisions, the ones that y'all always just check off. He ought to be able to do those in the office over there, so you don't even have to waste our time. But the regulations have to clearly state what are the circumstances under which you can submit an administrative plat. Our regulations don't have such a provision, so they have no choice but to bring these really simple subdivisions before the court. In this case, I support the approval of this application. I also support the variance granting so that they do not have to comply with the subdivision regulations because this is a very simple plat that ought to be covered by administrative procedures, which we don't have. And that's my comment. So my comment is I support this subdivision. I support the variance. And that's, and that's all I have for this one. Okay. So the administrative <clears throat> would be administrated so, by, by correct. Clients. So the situation would be the same for this one that's before you now, as well as the next item. They meet all the requirements of the county. The only reason they're being brought before the court is because they're less than 10, 10 acres. That 10 acres is one of the listed exemptions. And so as these two would be something I would approve in office instead of bringing it to And it's a simple change to the ordinance allowing for administrative approval of these very simple plaques. Now, that's, that's something that needs to be discussed in more detail later, but I'm, I'm, I'm really concerned about number five, so I'm talking about number three and number four in preparation for number five. Yeah, we're talking about number three right now. So, Clint, you go ahead and you, you're saying that it meets the county specs? Correct. I'll, yes, I'll entertain a motion to approve this uh, division. Second. Second by Commissioner Sternall. All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. Now we'll go to number four. Mm -hmm. Stephen Reddish. Yes. Your your precinct commissioner? Yes. Burnson? I mean no. Burnson. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay. laughs> yes, sir. And so this is just a uh, five acres out of a twenty acre track. Mm -hmm. Both of these tracks will also have public road frontage and meet all the requirements of the county. They do. I, um, yeah, it's very. Stephen does his um, <clears throat> division property, and he does them very professionally too. And it's it's got all the road frontage and everything. I mean, it's it's a good good one to go with. So I move that we approve the application from Stephen Reddish for this division of real property. Motion has been made by Commissioner Birkenhoff. Second. Second by Commissioner Brosman. All in favor say aye. 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 Opposed. Motion carries. Okay. Oh. Sorry. Same comments. Same comments. I support it. Mm. I support yeah. the subdivision. I support the variance. Okay. Well, Mr. Burnson, in a few months, we're going to be looking at our subdivision laws as Mr. Ripper was here last week, our last meeting, and he discussed some concerns about that. So we'll be getting with Clint and we'll be discussing <coughs> that. Number five, Fayette Land Company requesting a division of real property in Precinct 4. Your commissioner, your precinct, Commissioner Brosman. So this application from Fayette Land Company, all of the tracks here do meet the minimum requirements of the county subdivision ordinance uh, with respect to lot size and road frontage. Where is it located, Clint? This is Krishki Road. Okay, yeah. One of the lots here, the, the rearmost tract, uh, is a flag lot, and that is also one of the reasons it's 
for Commissioner Stewart. Mr. Burnson, your thoughts on this? Right. I think you want to speak so, to this issue. This subdivision I do not support. And I do not support a variance for this subdivision because it's five lots. And the regulations don't have any exceptions for less for, for that subdivision. These other two are very simple, this one is not. I don't understand why they're requesting a variance from the platting requirement. I think they need to do a plat, and I've got a list of reasons. Um, and just, just for a point of clarification on procedure, so there's one item on the agenda, is that for the approval of the subdivision or the variance, or is it for both? Because you only voted once. You're talking about the item we're talking about right now? Yeah, I'm talking about it in general. So in a minute, you're going to vote on this, this right. matter. So yes, are sir. we voting, is it two votes, one for the approval of the subdivision and one for the variance? Yeah. Or are we talking about, is there going to be a, a vote on the variance and then a vote on the subdivision? Because there's two different items here. One of them is a subdivision, one of them is a variance. What's our application for, Clint? Uh, my understanding is both as one. Okay. Um, because the agenda item is requesting the division of real property. That's right. Which would be? He's not requesting a variance from the planning requirement. So, in my opinion, this subdivision needs to meet the planning requirements. Unless y'all grant the variance. If you don't grant the variance, then his application doesn't include the necessary stuff. How do you feel about what he's saying, Clint? What, what would be the requirement to? He's got to do a drainage study. Look at the flood rates. We pulled it up. I just remember we did the flood rates a while back. Talk about that. I've got them right here. I went through the flood regulations. This is the only application the thing that I can see that applies to this one. All subdivision applications, including the placement of manufactured homes, parks, subdivisions, shall include provisions for adequate drainage as required under other applicable regulations of the state and of the county to reduce exposure to flood hazards. So you've got five lots on this subdivision. They're not doing a flood study. Flood regulations call for it right here. So I just, again, this is not, this to me is not a simple subdivision that can be administratively approved. So look at the shape of the lots. There's also a septic regulation that requires a 100 foot buffer to all property lines for sewer systems. Well, let's look at one of the square lots. Let's look at one of the square lots. So this lot is, 227 by 445. So if you got a 100 foot buffer at all property lines, you got a 27 foot by 245 foot square there for a septic system. Who's going to make sure that septic system is in the proper place on that lot and doesn't violate the 100 foot buffer? How Mr. sure are we that a septic system is going to fit on Mr. Burnson, your question may have been rhetorical, but it was a question. Yes, sir. Who's going to do that, Clint? That, that's my job. Thank you. Proceed. And the last one, I think, the shape. How do we know a septic system will even fit on that track when you put the 100 foot buffers all the way around? So, yes, not ideal. I completely agree. Um, what's my job after the court would approve a layout like that? Um, in thinking of terms of a standard single family residence, that would be fairly challenging. Uh, also depends on the type of system. If they were to have something as extreme as small cabin with a single holding tank that they come down and stay at periodically would fit easily so uh, couldn't they also get a drainage easement from a neighbor if the neighbor would allow them and it's pretty easy uh, uh, not a drain, drain field easement sorry drain field that, that comes into with multiple lots uh, no uh, but so what they would what they can do with it is 
part of their septic application later. They could. Yeah, but the, 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 the regulation is kind of a little weird because you have some septic breaks in the subdivision and you have some subdivision breaks in the flood breaks. And it's, it's a little bit, they kind of cross contaminate one another. I, I would agree somewhat. And the 100 acre part or the 100 foot separation is actually not in our OSS as approved by the state. It was in the. Right. But the county has said, but not approved by the state. So it's. I'm just saying, I'm just going by what the words are in your Yes. And so to, I'm going to let it go. But to reiterate, I, I don't. It's not that I don't support the subdivision. I don't know. I don't support variance from the planning requirements for this subdivision because of all the reasons that I've stated. And make sure there's nothing else I missed. So what you're basically saying is when there's more than one just separating from one small, sectioning off a small piece of property off a larger one, you're fine with. But when you start chopping it all up, you're, you're just basically saying it needs to be planned. There's a line between the simple administrative, which he should be able to handle, and that which needs to come before the commissioner's court. The first two, simple, this one needs to come before the full commissioner's court. It needs to have the full package. Or you need to change the regulation so that this subdivision doesn't apply. I mean, the planning requirements don't apply to the subdivision. My point is, if you grant a variance here, then you have almost have to grant a variance on every sub-similar sub subdivision. Because the variances, variances are for hardships only. Does this mean that every subdivision comes to a good that's asking for a variance is experiencing hardship? That, to me, again, is an indication of the problem with regulation. Mr. Burnson, we appreciate your comments. As I mentioned earlier, the court is going to be getting with Mr. Sternaudel to visit about these issues, as Mr. Ripper brought up at the last meeting. I will say that the court has full confidence in Mr. Sternaudel. He's following the state of laws, the state of Texas and the county, and what we've got for him. That doesn't mean it can't be improved, and we'll look at that. With that said, I'll entertain a motion to... I'm just going to add something. So while we're talking about that with the two acres and all this stuff, I know I had a bunch of questions. Why the county went from five acres to two acres allowable to be subdivided? And why, why did that take place then? I was not on the Christmas court then, so. Sure, and that was also before I was here and, and give you my understanding of the history of that. The five acre rule, as many of our longtime county residents knew it, was because that was the groundwater district's rule. If you needed a water well on your property, you needed five acres. At some point in time, the groundwater district's review of their regulations said that they didn't actually have the legal authority to enforce that, which they had for years. So they simply abandoned it. At that time, the ball came to the county's court and they said, well, what can we enforce? And the septic person in my position at the time amended our wastewater ordinance to have a two acre minimum for lot uh, lot size for septic systems and and that's where the two acres you see that shape a lot of our regulations come from uh, to my understanding the commissioner's court does not have the authority to set lot sizes uh, they can support the groundwater district's rules and they can support the septic uh, authority's rules that then are minor blessed by the state the commission <coughs> can't make a whole lot of changes to those without the blessing of TCEQ uh, but you as the court to my understanding do not have that authority if you so choose so there's no way that the court could say that we're tired of all these small two acre lots we want to go back to five acres we want that to be our new regulations the court does not have that authority to do that that's my understanding yes sir 
I think that would be good to put in the paper because we get hit up with a lot of questions oh, yeah. on that. And they think that commissioner's court can go ahead and change that. And that's what we're being told is that we cannot. Back to the platted and non-platted. At what point do we require it to be a platted subdivision? If they're putting in a county road? Currently, when they're adding public infrastructure, uh, that's been the precedent that we've been handling it as. Uh, and that's my understanding. When there's public infrastructure added, what we see most commonly is a new county road. That's when the planning requirement comes. Um, as far as a lot of the course authority on the other stuff, uh, as far as noise ordinances and other things, I, I'm not aware that the court has authority on any of that. Blake, do you have any comments on that? Do you agree with the, the court? Didn't uh, Mr. Brosman's comment? Uh, regarding the, the, the acreage the court's requirement, uh, yes, um, I'm not aware of any specific provision that would allow the court to to set something like that. I can certainly do my research to see if there's something out there. Mr. Burns, you want to make a comment? I'm very familiar with all of these. So years ago, you know, I've been serving for years. I remember I built my place in Plum. They had a rule of five acres, and I could put in a water well. And then what happened was there was a lawsuit, and they said. Groundwater Conservation District has no authority to do that. That's what happened. They didn't change their mind. They didn't decide to stop. Somebody, and, and, I, and at the time, I was one of those guys running around saying they can't do that. They have no authority. And then it was proven by the courts. They don't have the authority. The county doesn't have the authority. The county cannot set minimum lot sizes. The only reason you have that authority is related to septic permits. There was even a lawsuit. Don't run away where there was a, they sued the county commission because they said you don't have authority to set minimum lot size, and they won. You can't set the minimum at two acres. If they want to have a subdivision of less than two acres, they can do that. They just can't put septic on it. So it's, it's not as quite as simple as you guys are saying. There was never a rule requiring five acres. There was never a rule requiring two acres. It's all unlawful. The only thing the two acre requirement refers to is the septic permit. Septic permit only. I hope we never get, I hope you're never allowed to put a septic on less than two acres. Because <clears throat> I know if I, I've been in Gonzales County <clears throat> and they have, they have subdivisions that are smaller than two acres with septic on it, but I guess. The, the state does allow for that. Our, half acre. Yeah. Did you yeah. say the state does allow the for that? The state does allow for that. Our county uh, has an amendment for further restrictions to our septic ordinance, so not in Fayette County. But yes, other counties. Very good. <coughs> okay, do I have a motion for yeah. number five? I move we approve the application from Fayette Land Company requesting the division of real property located in Precinct 4. Okay, motion has been made by Commissioner Brosman. Second. Second by Commissioner Birkenhoff. All in favor say aye. 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 Opposed? Aye. Motion carries. Mr. Burnson, your comments as always are taken in good light. And I want to say again, that the court, I think I speak for everyone, has full confidence in uh, the job that Mr. Sternaudel does with this. He is ever cognizant of, of, of his responsibilities. I'm not questioning that. <laughs> and I do like that he brings some of these smaller ones, even though it's nine acres, eight acres. I do like whenever he brings it to the commissioner's court so we can see what's going on in the county, so we can see how much the growth is and stuff like that. Whenever you have all these smaller land divisions, I like it. I know he can handle it and everything, but 
my preference is I would like for him to continue to do that so we can see exactly what's going on across the whole county because you know we know what's going on in our precinct but we don't know sometimes what's going on in everybody else's precinct so whenever he brings this forward I know it might may just be a formality that we're just going to approve and agree with but it is nice to know what's going on in the whole county the entire time so whenever you get questioned about this this and this you don't look stupid like you don't know what you're doing with your job and you say no I absolutely know what I'm doing you know we have this in court and everything and everybody's on board and I know exactly where this is or where that is and everything so I would like to see it stay exactly the way it is I wouldn't like that part to change I do like it's, the we need to I think a, di a dif differentiation on the platting and non-platting because yeah. it, it doesn't make sense if it's just sectioning off one piece of property it's one thing this clearly is not. How, how do I advise my clients? How, how am I supposed to advise my clients when I see exceptions coming through? You know, I just tell them, ask for a variance for everything. That's what I tell them. I think, I think we need to, and I think we need to do that very quickly. I mean, just, I mean, I don't, I don't, I mean, we've been, we've been very firm on, you know, this came to us, you brought it to our attention, but it's already in the pipes. This one's going to go by, but I think real soon we need to figure out something for the next one's coming. And, and, and with your comments, Commissioner Bros, about eight or nine acres, anything less than 10 always comes before us, right? Currently. 10 or less. 10, under 10. <coughs> okay. uh, Mr. Sterno, are you going to have anything to add to this next item? The application for permit to lay temporary water line and road, uh, road right of way submitted by Dallas Petroleum. The water line to be placed along Greens Creek Road and Withers Road, Precinct 1, all public county roads. No, sir, the application is complete and they have paid their fees. This is a renewal of what was an existing uh, lay flat line in Precinct 1. I so move. Motion has been made by Commissioner McBroom. Second. Second by Commissioner Sternoddle. All in favor say aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carries. All right, thank you very much, Mr. Sternoddle. Our next item, I don't think Mr. Van Dever is in the courtroom, so Clint, if you'd be so kind as to ask him to come in. Our report from uh, EMS Director, Mr. Josh Vandenberg. Good morning. Good morning, sir. Um, so we'll start with the good news. Um, billing for January was really positive. There were some things that changed in the government structure. Medicare did raise about 8% uh, inflationary rate hike, so we are getting more reimbursement from them. Uh, that, that was about 65%, 66% of our payer mix last month, so that was a significant effect. Uh, we billed $505,000 for service. Um, we received $265,000 in payments. The average cash per transported patient was a thousand dollars just over I'm gonna consult my notes here um, so it was a it was a good note it was a good month for our billing now the you know as we're all aware there's been you know changes in the hospital big reduction of services uh, down to a freestanding emergency department um, I just want to address some of the some of the things that we've experienced as a department um, honestly, you know, this is a very small sample size of data, but um, so from January 13th to January 22nd, this is last month's data in the same time slot I'm about to give you since the hospital closure. Out of 100 patients that we transported, we took 67, 67% to St. Mark's. The next most popular facility was South Austin um, with eight. Austin Hart was six, Columbus was five, 
Um, and we did 5,958 miles over 140 total calls. So the 40 that we didn't transport factored in. Um, the, in that same swath of time since the hospitals closed, we've transported 77 patients to the hospital, uh, but only 17 of them, or 22%, were transported to St. Mark's. Now, there's a lot of factors that go into this, uh, but essentially, the consequence, the downstream consequence, if we take some to St. Mark's, and they need to be admitted for observation, or so on and so forth, and I know the, the press release the hospital released said that one of the capabilities of an emergency, a rural emergency hospital is observation, like 23-hour OBS. Um, but they have indicated to us that that is not something that they have immediate plans to do. Um, the, uh, if we take someone there that needs to be admitted, then they have to be transferred. They would get an ER bill at St. Mark, or they would get an ambulance bill from us. They would get an ER bill at St. Mark's. They would get another ambulance bill to be transferred. And then if they went to the ER to be process before they went up to the floor, they'd get another ER bill and then the rest of their hospital stay. It's not something we're willing to do to our patients. That second emergency visit you alluded to, you're talking about the emergency room at an Austin hospital or wherever else. Correct. So if, if, these, if these transfers are sent as an emergency transfer, more often than not, they go directly to the ER of the receiving facility, not direct. Now they do, it does happen often where they go straight to the floor or to the ICU. Um, but if it goes to the ER, they, I mean, they're going to get a full, full workup in that ER again. Um, and so that is something, there's, there's, I wish I could provide you guys with a lot of insight on how those decisions are made, but those decisions are really made on an individual basis by the paramedic on the call discussing the options with the patient. Um, we, we, we try to operate off of informed consent as much as possible. We try to inform the patient of the risks, the benefits, the consequences, all the things. Um, and then we, we, try to, we, we try to let the patients make their own decision. And then if they require or request guidance, we'll, we'll help them. Um, the, uh, so the, the other kind of downstream issue that we're experiencing is we're catching a lot of flack inappropriately so and we're working through that uh, we're catching a lot of flack from the neighboring hospitals that we're bringing more patients to now because these are hospitals that are already busy and already work that are now getting an increased volume of patients so our to uh, Columbus five percent of our patients in the previous time swath um, has changed to about 18 percent so about almost quadruple um, and then you know, Howitzville went up a little bit. Smithville has gone up to 16% from like one or two. Um, and over 5,936, so 5,936 miles over 109 total calls. Most of um, them, you're saying most of them are going to Columbus? Most of the, and no, it's kind of an even split. Like they've really been, they've really been between Columbus, Smithville, and South Austin. Is kind of the even split of where we've kind of drawn away from and then there's some here or there that are going to Lavaca and Hallettsville and, and other places um, so in four in um, 30 23 less calls we have done almost the same amount of mileage 
Um, so over 109 calls, 5,936 miles. So our average miles per transported call, so this doesn't factor in all of the refusals in town or the no patients, is about, it went from 42 miles per call to about 54 miles per call is kind of what we're looking at right now. So the good news is that's not a huge, it hasn't been a huge impact to operations yet. Those numbers are gonna add up as this levels out and as this continues. I, I have every reason to believe that. Um, a couple of things we've done operationally to kind of monitor this. Uh, we've, we've placed a, a mechanism into action to uh, monitor the amount of times that we have all of our ambulances out assigned on calls. Um, we have a method in place now for tracking how many times we're requesting mutual aid uh, from other agencies around us. Um, we've, we've had a lot of purposeful conversations with the crews about decision making and, and trying to give them guidance and uh, weigh your options and also see the big picture here. And uh, we're also holding the ER accountable for good decision making, or trying to. Um, so when we see stuff that's getting sent out that really doesn't make sense to us, uh, we're having those conversations with the ER's medical director, Dr. Willis, or with Tammy Hartfield from the hospital. And they are always very receptive to have those conversations and try to make sure that we're did, doing the right thing by our patients. Did I hear you say that you're studying how much time period all four ambulances are out at the same time? Correct. And what, did, what, what does that show? We just started studying that uh, recently. And to be honest, as, as the numbers kind of reflect, it's been a little bit slower of a, and they're gonna kill me for saying that. Uh, it's been a little bit slower of a couple weeks or nine days. Um, so there hasn't been, I don't, I don't think there's been any. So I would have to go pull up the live nice. spreadsheet and look. Nice. But, nice. I don't think there's been any times in the last two weeks where we've been at zero status, but it will happen and we'll track sure. it and we'll have more of course, more data to support that. Um, Judge, I, I don't know if you or if any of the commissioners have the paperwork that was sent uh, by me, but um, I did prepare some paperwork of what, what we think a realistic estimate of our... Why don't you share that? I don't have the data in front of me. Um, <coughs> the, I don't know if you have it in front of me. I can probably pull it up in my email real quick. Have they advised you from the hospital? What's their what's their long term plan? No, I mean the I think they're more my perspective on it is they're more concerned with trying to get this REH thing settled and and get get that into place and get stable. Um, I would probably defer to Commissioner McBroom on that it's, question. It's a transition period right now. I mean, we we have a we have a meeting coming up in the near future. We'll probably be discussing it, but it's. I mean, the next few months are basically just kind of transi transitioning over. What, what's the what's the name of the gentleman that's the president of the board, and then he's also on CMC board? Is it Piper? Dudley Is there any way we could get him to come to one of our commissioner court meetings so he could address well, not I, only the commissioner's court but the county citizens? Because I mean, they're putting all of us I, in a heck of a bind with our services. And I think like it would that. be good to put get him in the CEO. Uh, I mean. The best way you're going to solve anything is get everybody in the same room. I mean, and that, that hasn't happened yet, and it does. I mean, I would think that we would have the right to ask them some questions, being that the commissioner's court, I mean, we gave them a pretty good chunk of ARP money that time, and I would like to see if they used it, what they said they were going to use it for, and if not, where is that money at that we gave them? 
No, I think definitely. I think we have the right to ask them that question since we since we help fund them and stuff like that. I know we're not over them or anything like that, but I think the citizens deserve an answer on what's going on. You know, I mean, just, you know, you just get the press release from from the county or from the hospital, and it doesn't it doesn't answer all the questions that everybody has. I think that would be Commissioner Bergbroom. Who is the CEO? What's his name? Mark Kimball. Oh, you're talking about. Well, I was talking about the the uh, CEO of Community Hospital Corporation. Oh, that's. I don't think Mr. Kimball's going to be prepared to answer our questions. I mean, control of this hospital is CHC, am I correct? No, you're not. Control of the hospital is the board. CHC is the managing company. So the, the, the hospital, St. Mark's Hospital Board controls this hospital? Yes. And the CEO is Mark Kimball? Yes. All right. Well, I agree with Commissioner Brosman. Let's get him over here. Uh, Let's do that on the next meetings. Do you agree with that? I mean, I think yeah. there's. Well, I mean, I think it'd be good for. I mean, them. all we can do is ask. So. Yeah. I mean, I think. I'd be more than more than happy to to ask them to come. You know, Josh, the issue with <clears throat> just the extra mileage is, you know, the fuel is going to cost you more, the wear and tear on your vehicle, and the issue is, trans y'all to be way more miles, y'all. Then you're going to be that much farther away from here from the citizens that y'all need to be serving because you're going to be doing more transport you know but that's going to be a big issue there so sure instead of being y'all are going to be on the road transporting patients that'll be a couple of a couple of your guys that won't be here to take care of the citizens when they need help so i think that being a, a big issue um if you guys if you guys want to take a short recess or if you want me to do it in a future commissioner's court we could pretty easily go print that document that I sent you, and I, I sent it to the whole court, right? The document kind of lining out the changes. Yes. Um, I could, and if you want that presented publicly now, we could take a short recess, I could do that, or um, I could do it in a future court, whatever you'd like. Maybe it'd be good to do it in a future court, so then if these gentlemen are here, they can see the impact that it's gonna have on us also. Um, so I can give you some of the broad strokes. So the, the, the grand total comes out to about $1.15 million. Um, that's not an overly conservative estimate. That's not a fear-mongering estimate. That's based on what Commissioner Birkenhoff was just speaking to, the mileage, the wear and tear. Uh, we estimated that. I'm gonna probably going to end up saying the wrong thing here. It was either like a $1.63 a mile or a $1.36 a mile of depreciation over the life of the unit that we figured. It was a $1.63. So it was that figure, you know, <coughs> times the amount of miles, which I think was in the 40,000 range is what we anticipate in the increase of yearly mileage. We put 270,000 miles on our fleet last year. Um, so you can multiply that by the cost of diesel and you can multiply that by the cost of depreciation and it comes out with a figure. Um, Look at the new cost of the replacements you're gonna have. To and then skyrocketing inflation that we're facing. Um, I met with Siddons Martin about the ambulance you guys approved out of ARP funds and uh, they're, they're going back to the drawing board because I essentially told them we're not buying the ambulance from them at this point. Um, and they've sent us another proposal. We don't have the price yet, but they're gonna go price it now. But industry-wide, about a 30% increase in the price of ambulances. And the reasoning behind that is because for two years they haven't been able to get chassis. And so these manufacturers haven't made any money. Um, one manufacturer was still building boxes. Uh, Skeeter brush trucks actually was still building the boxes for their trucks and the second they started getting chassis in they just 
pick the box up, put it on the truck, and they can sell a brush truck. Um, ambulance manufacturers don't do that because that's a quarter to a third million dollar asset. You know, uh, within the next ten years, half a million dollar asset if something doesn't change with this rampant inflation. So, um, you know, so there's there's that. There's increased cost of replacing ambulance. This medic one crew yesterday, and I, I wish I had the factual data to bring you, but. When I went to bed last night, I was actually working on some stuff for court today. When I went to bed last night, they were on the way to Austin. And when I woke up this morning, they were on their way to St. Davis. Uh, they were in, you know, Smithville when, when I turned on my computer this morning. So, I mean, they're certainly, the Medic One crew especially, because that's historically been about 60% of our calls, those guys are getting run ragged. So part of that calculation as well is, you know, looking to add another crew to meet that demand, to meet that volume. And and the round top station, you know, for all intents and purposes, that's not something that that's not something that I feel like we should take off the table because the citizens in Ledbetter and Carmine and Roundtop, you know, the reason we put that there wasn't necessarily for call volume. The reason we put that there is because the response time out there is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and you know, we're we're just above national standard. Um, of eight minutes of our across the table response time. We're just above that at about nine, nine and a half. Um, I do feel like that unit's gonna help get us below that. And I do hope that unit's gonna help in not running out of ambulances. But there's a bunch of calculations that went and I'm, I'm willing to be fully transparent with you guys and show you the math too, but I didn't send that, I just sent the numbers. Um, and if there's any statisticians out here that you wanna come and go through my stuff, um, I think they'll find that I think if a if a if a professional statistician were to sit down and look at the risk and look at the stats here, I think the number would be worse. I just think we can probably we can probably be a little bit lean with it and still get through. And and I'll stand by that one point one five million dollar hit that we're probably ended up taking. I should know we spoke before about a vehicle, smaller vehicle, just a transporting like something but I mean I know that the problem with some of those are it still costs a lot of money you still have to have a lot of everything you need inside there but if we have an issue getting these chassis and I mean is that could that be an option of a but you're not really, yes you're not really transporting and that idea was to transport from the hospital now you're not transporting the hospital you're transporting from the side of the road somebody's house so, and you need so all the I mean, equipment in there so part of that calculation is a is a loss of revenue from the transfers we were getting okay. now I, I think that's part of the calculation that gives us some padding in these figures because now we're going to be helping Columbus more, we're going to be helping Smithville more, we're going to be helping the surrounding hospitals a little bit more. So maybe we don't lose all that revenue from transfers, uh, but also the revenue per transfer is going to drop because now we're having to drive, you know, 30 extra minutes to start the call that aren't paid miles. This is going to be this is going to be devastating to LaGrange, it's going to be devastating to Fayette County. I'm talking about from a resident's perspective, but economically, yes, it's going to be a tremendous drain. I think Commissioner Brosman brings up a good point. I'd like to hear from Mr. Kimball, the CEO of the hospital, and I think you even mentioned the president of that board, uh, Commissioner Dudley Pilon. <clears throat> so, if it's all right with y'all, why don't you make a motion that we invite Could them to Could I ask to a few more questions? Sure. Your collections are $265,000, which is, you've never had that. And you only build, only, you build a half a million. I mean, you're getting a very good. Yeah, I so mean, cool. if that keeps up, your costs are covered. 
Yeah. But we don't know if it's going to, I mean, I'm just not saying this is one month. And if you look at January of 2022, we brought in $103,000. You know, I, I've been, and Michael Furr, he's the EMS director in Colorado County and Lavaca County. Um, and Michael has been calling me kind of every month for the last three months because his collections have been just abysmal. I don't know if this has been something in the federal government where they've been slow paying claims and they've caught up in January. I don't know what's going on here. Well, if your claims, if that's the actual claims that were submitted on top and what came in out of those claims, that's a very good percentage. Now, it could be. But our average revenue per transport and cash per transport, and what I would tell you is the only thing on this sheet of paper other than the actual figure of money coming in, the only thing worth tracking on this entire beautiful report that I'm giving you is really that average cash per transport. That's that's really telling you based on the amount of people that we're taking what we can expect. But you really won't see what that was five hundred and eighty dollars as an average last year and this month it was a thousand. But you really won't see what the effect is from the hospital being closed until you get to maybe three months from now. I was gonna say April, May, June three, to where all those bills really start coming through with the pipe and everything like that. So three to four months is your average kind of payment rolling in from insurance. Um, so we, we won't know what that effect's gonna be. Now, mileage is something that insurance typically pays. So an increase in mileage is going to be an increase in pay. We, we think, we hope, we pray, you know. Um, so it, some of this will be offset by income. We just don't know how much. Um, I don't think you will know until probably a year to yeah. really get straightened out. It's gonna take a significant amount of time to give you guys, and that's why the email I sent the commissioner's court was laden with qualifiers. That's why I said this is, this is all an assumption based on retrospective data. You know, it is, it, is, it is not worth a lot more than the words that are on that paper and our gut feeling of what we're expecting to see on the ground. Um, so just how bear many, with me on that. How many, is it a certain amount of miles or is it just the, the condition that the unit is in before you go ahead and you? So we don't, we don't do the, so some services, once an ambulance hits 250, they order the replacement. Uh, which right now would be devastating because replacements have taken three years. Um, once we do it based on time. So historically, what we've tried to do is order an ambulance every year. The oldest ambulance in our fleet when we maintain a fleet of seven ambulances was seven years old. That ambulance had 270, you know, 300,000 miles on it, but it was the last resort ambulance in backup backup status uh, what we've elected to do this year is we're going to keep our oldest ambulance when our new one our new one came in yesterday by the way buried the lead there um, new one came in yesterday so we're LCRA is putting some equipment in it now and that'll get put into service soon but um, you know we're going to keep that eighth ambulance we're not going to license it but we're going to keep it and we're going to park it and if an ambulance wrecks if an ambulance has a significant mechanical malfunction, we can actually pull that ambulance, pull the license off of another truck, put it on there, and as long as we don't keep that ambulance in service for more than 30 days, we don't have to do anything with the state. If we do, all we'd have to do is send the state an email. You know, it's, it's that easy. So um, that's the plan to kind of shore up our fleet a little bit, but that was part of this calculation too is Right now we do one ambulance per year, one and a half per year. So three every two years going forward. Um, if we realize the increase in mileage, I think we will. 
there is nothing more unpredictable than EMS call volume. But is it gonna? Is if we add another crew, is it gonna be more than? I don't. Is it gonna be more? The mileage is gonna be the mileage either way. So once we address that, it's not gonna matter how many crews are out there because they're still gonna only run the same amount of calls. Mm -hmm. It'll be more spread out probably, you know. But I don't. I don't anticipate that changing. Okay, um, y'all have any other questions of Josh? Do we want to include in the motion to accept his report the uh, request that we will request the CEO of St. Mark's board, Mark Kimball, and the president of that board, Dudley Pylon, to attend our next meeting? Uh, yeah. <clears throat> yes, sir. Uh, real quick, my name is Ron Briggs. Uh, I have education to utilize the ambulance facility. It was not eight minutes for me, it was five. Okay, good. It was really good. I was impressed. <laughs> I always worry when people stand up. <laughs> this could go one of two ways. Yeah. I did that on purpose. Okay, good. I did a little stroke here. Uh, so, as I understand it, gentlemen, uh, it, it, through the discussion, the, the board at the hospital or the CHC, the members of the board, have not come to you guys and talked at all. That's they correct. have. They have talked to you, Judge. Don't say they well, didn't. Well, they came to, uh, Mr. Pylon came to talk to the mayor and I individually, and they requested that we not say anything. Okay, that's fine. But that didn't give you any details or anything like that? Uh, the, the reason I'm asking is that sounds sort of, sort of arrogant on their part not to address, because you're right, this is a major, significant impact of the county. I mean, not just, of course, the grain, but also Schoenberger and around. So uh, that seems bizarre that they would not come and address the, your questions to them. I mean, that's just... Yeah, the whole... Uh, I would say this whole St. Mark's Hospital since 2010, or at least the last 10, 12 years, it's been bizarre. Yeah. Uh, when this came up, to the voters in 19, uh, it was obviously clearly rejected 81%. Yeah. Part of that failure was the confusion with the average person out there. They weren't confused well, that the hospital was I, run locally. I, 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 I think I, I would have suspected that you maybe you guys might have knocked on their door as well. Never really knocked, came out well, they let the judge know prior to the announcement coming yeah. out to uh, just to not catch him off guard. That was the meeting with Mark Kimball and Dudley Pilot. This came up very quick as it as it came out in the press release from the from the hospital. In my working life, I've discovered I just that uh, customers, if we're a customer of the hospital, we can use that term. Customers can take, they can really handle good news. Customers can handle bad news. What the customer can't handle is no news. And that seems like that's what you guys got with no news. Certainly, the citizens of the county got known this, and it was it was just uh, shock and awe, if you will. And just, that's it. And by the way, the commissioner, the precinct two, is doing a wonderful job. Okay. Uh, do I have a motion that we have? Uh, Mr. Uh, Pilot, I move uh, we accept the report from Josh Vandever, EMS director, and also send a invitation to Mr. Pilot and Mr. Campbell to, Campbell. Jo Campbell to join our next 
Commissioner's motion been made by Mr. Uh, by Commissioner Brosman. <coughs> Second. Second by Commissioner Birkenhoff. All in favor say aye. 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 Opposed? Aye. Motion carries. Thank you, Josh. Yes. Um, Josh, I believe you're going to recognize some employees. Melody McCoy, Bailey yes, Walker, Justin Lastly, and Patty Nelson. So, uh, Melody's on an ambulance right now, and Patty's in Florida. And she yeah, said well. if she had to choose between Florida and come to Commissioner's Court, she would choose Florida. <laughs> so, uh, these gentlemen are both being recognized for five years of service uh, with Faith County MS. Um, they, are, they are definitely some of our most bought in people in our department. Uh, something I want to say about Justin, Justin actually took a job in Fayette County. He was already paramedic. We didn't have any paramedic spots open. Um, and Justin, rather than going working for more money in a paramedic position elsewhere, chose to work here for lower pay until he could get a position. That was before me. I, no, I take no credit for that. That was before me being here. But um, Justin has continued to show buy-in, and uh, this department means more to him than just a paycheck, and this county means more to him than just a paycheck. And uh, we appreciate that in him. Uh, Bailey doesn't sleep. Um, I don't think I think he made me homeless because he works all of the time. Um, and I have no doubt that he enjoys the overtime. But I can tell you more than that. Um, Bailey will call us and say, "Hey, I don't really want to work, but if y'all need it, like I don't really want to work tomorrow, but if y'all need it, I'll help you." Um, and during the pandemic and after the pandemic, where we've had staffing struggles. Um, Bailey's done an excellent job being our backstop and uh, being a guy we can depend on. And um, this is something I want to start doing when our employees hit milestones. I want to start recognizing them in public in front of the commissioner's board. Um, and uh, the judge is going to present you guys with uh, Or if you want to come around here uh, <coughs> and uh, take a picture, you present it to Josh. Josh. You, you, you present it to him. You got two hands. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Bailey and Justin, congratulations. Yeah. Right. <laughs> What's your name again? <laughs> Justin. Y'all bump over here. <laughs> it's upside down, but. <laughs> I'm just. Congratulations, guys. Thank you for what y'all do. You know, I know I've said it before, but you would not believe what these EMS people are uh, capable of being out there on the scenes with them on I-10 and 77 and all the terrible things that they have to go through. And then they have to take it back home to their families. I don't know how they deal with it and everything, but it's just unbelievable the life-saving skills that these guys possess. I would just really like to compliment them on the job well done. Mm -hmm. They come out there, they ain't scared of nothing. They'll dive off in anything that's out there. It's it's unbelievable. It ain't it ain't something that anybody from any walks of life can do. And so I just compliment them every day. Thank you. Sir. You make a mistake. Nope. <laughs> those those are big words coming from a fireman. Because yeah. the firemen are the same way. Yeah, I will. I'll add to that presentation that um, you know our team here. Um, the guys at the sheriff's office, the constables, the fire departments, the nurses at the hospital. Um, we're not the best paying county in the world. Um, we, we have a lot of competition on distance, but we have to compete with these, for these employees with departments 
far, far away because these people go to school in Victoria and College Station and Katy, and there's a thousand departments between here and each of those places that these people can go work. But none of those places have the cops that show up on calls. Both LaGrange PD, Sheriff's Office, all the surrounding PDs show up on calls and help our guys. The fire departments are always there. The first responders in this county do a wonderful job, and we're all very fortunate to have them. Um, and, and these guys don't stick around. They're, having that team is a part of why these guys stick around. So uh, we appreciate y'all's support. Thank you. We appreciate you. <clears throat> I move we recognize the County Plus employees, Melody McCoy, Bailey Walker, Justin Lasley, and Patty Nelson for the years of service to Fayette County. Commissioner McBroom makes the motion, seconded by Commissioner Birkenhoff. Second. All in favor, say aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carries. <clears throat> Agenda item number nine. Action concerning approving employer commitment form to participate as an employer of the reinvest project. So um, I'm gonna punt this. This lady is more than knowledgeable about this stuff. We are gonna seek your approval to partner with them. Uh, they're gonna provide benefits um, to people studying uh, technical fields, including EMS and nurses aid nurse aides uh, to cover so okay so good morning uh, good morning my name is janice bruno i'm with the uh, smithville uh, workforce training center just let me give you a little background back a year ago uh smithville it was uh, fayette county lee county basco county lanco lano and uh, burnett we applied for the grant through the good jobs challenge grant through the department of commerce we never thought we'd get this large grant but for the three counties of Fayette, Lee, and Bastrop County, we received a grant of $4.8 million, which was awarded back in August. And this money is actually Fayette County money. Uh, I uh, actually sat on city council for Smithville, and, uh, but I took a part-time gig to work Fayette County because I knew this was so important as far as recruiting and getting employers to buy in to be able to train students who are going to pay train students in skilled trades in healthcare and in um, IT. So those three areas. I'm working very closely with Rachel Ginzer, Hannah Garlic, and going out to the various businesses in Fayette <coughs> County to ask the employers to say, hey, and I met with Josh, I think it was December 21st, I mean, he and I have met a couple times, he said, well, we really got to bring this before Commissioner's Court. Um, and I'm starting to go around and meet, I love Fayette County, by the way, but because I'm on city council, I can't. I gotta live in um, But anyway, uh, just traveling around here. I've been to Schulenburg, the Glen. I've met with Lorraine and Becky Garlic. I've been out in Flatonia. I'm getting to really know your the territory. And so I met with Josh. I met with all his guys. I mean, very a great group of professional folks. But what we want, we've even talked about, hey, let's put a training camp is possibly here because, you know, let, let the government pay for this. Let the feds pay for this, right? So what we want to do, we, we, we partnered with McCord Equipment. Uh, I've tried to meet with Mark Kimball on several occasions. I could not get into St. Mark's to meet with him because we will actually pay to train LVNs and RNs up to $10,000. We will train to pay paramedics up to $8,000. 
doctors and any other allied trades, respiratory therapists, surgical, <coughs> and on the skilled trade side, we're going to train up to 95 CDL truck drivers. Okay, and we're right now, that school's going to be in Smithville. We're going to use the show barn right now until we can find some other sites here in Fayette County to do the training on the skilled trades. So we're going to do the electrical, the plumbing, uh, CDL driving, um, maybe another skilled trade. Anyway, we, uh, we, we want to partner with Fayette. So on 7 March, we're going to hold a convening. It's going to be over here at your visitor center. I believe, Cassie, I've sent out like 100 invitations to all the Fayette County people that I've met so far. So county commissioners, you're invited. Uh, it's going to be, we're going to provide the lunch. It's going to be a two-hour deal. We're going to talk more or less about what this whole program is. And we've invited your employers. We've invited the stakeholders, judge. You, you and I have talked about this before. But we want to partner with uh, Fayette County EMS because I know now you, your story here was St. Mark shut down and everything. We want to help pay for these paramedics to get trained and Josh and I have talked a little bit about why couldn't we do the training center right there at Fayette County EMS. I mean, it's a brilliant idea. So I want to get a commitment, and there's, a, there's nothing legal about this commitment. It's just saying, hey, will you partner with this grant? It's called Reinvest Good Jobs Challenge Grant. And it's just going to bring money in for your students here. You already have a workforce, okay? I'm working with both Rachel and the other little gal that works over there. Well, we want to be able to find as many students in Fayette County that we can train in these different areas. And then this grant will pay for these students to go to school. They're case managed, they get wraparound services for child care and for fuel and all that good stuff to go to school. I'm working real closely with Lynn College. But we want to get real creative about how we do the schools. So one of the things Josh and I talked about is, hey, let's maybe do a school right here in, in, in Fayette County. So that's what that's all about. There's a, he, he would sign, he said we had to go to commissioner's court. I'm glad I got to meet you all today to let you at least know about this program because it's not, it's the county's money. It's Fayette, Bastrop, and Lee County. We're going to be doing convenings in all four <coughs> counties, and Fayette County will be the first, and I'll be leading that convening on the 7th of March from 12 to 2 over at the visitor center. And I, think, I believe Cassie has sent you. So y'all are invited to come to that. I just need an RSVP, so I know how much food to order. Okay? Very good. Yes, yes sir. Have you reached out to the 65 people that got laid off in St. Mark? Yes, I, I have called. And in fact, Regency Towers today was holding a career fair to invite them over because there was a $5,000 sign-on bonus. And I've talked, I reached out to Tammy, and I said, call me back. Where do you want, where do these people need to go to work? Maybe we can find them finding places to go to work. But yeah, St. Mark's has struggled for the last 10 years. I know, I, I know. It's struggled just as Smithville. Smithville Hospital is not closing, but you know, right now it's not expanding either. So um, yeah, we got a lot of work to do in the healthcare field, that's for sure. Thank you, John. Well, it sounds like a good program, and uh, I'll entertain a motion that we, uh, as you say, we're going to participate with this re reinvest project. I'll make that motion. Second. Second by Commissioner Birkenhoff. All approved. Say aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. <coughs> Next item on the agenda is report from the Sheriff's Department. I see Chief Deputy Novisky here as well as Lieutenant Byer. Good morning, Judge and Commissioners. Uh, we started that monthly staff for January 2023. We had 20 arrests, 10 felonies, 10 misdemeanor, we had 223 traffic stops. 
634 calls for service at Sheriff's Office, 30 civil process papers served, 42,282 miles total for the department vehicles, that's jail and everything, 52 individuals were processed into the Fayette County Jail, and the uh, dispatchers had 2,314 calls for the What do you mean by calls for service? Calls for service is any call we get dispatched to. Okay. That you're Traffic stops are on initiated by officers. Uh, calls for service can be any call we, we receive. <clears throat> so you had one today for the pony on 609 that we had to stop for? Yes. There was a deputy over there. Yes. Some guy with a rope trying to get a horse off the road. Out, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there. Sound like y'all have been busy. I got a message yesterday, Chief Novisky, from my friend Doug Gray, the Lions Club in Schulenburg. And I think he also messaged you, Commissioner Brosman, saying that your top dispatcher did a program and they were well pleased with yes, the program. Yeah, and I, Doug Gray said she did a great job. We appreciate Thank what what y'all are doing, guys. Thank you. Lieutenant Byer, you want to add anything? No, sir. Okay. Thank y'all for what y'all do. <laughs> Thank you. However, do I have a uh, motion? We to accept the report from Fayette County Sheriff's Office. There you go, Commissioner Brosman. Second. Second by Commissioner Sternoddle. All in favor, say aye. Aye. Opposed. <clears throat> motion carries. Uh, I guess. Chief Novisky, are you up again for this one, the racial profile report? Yeah, that's report? just the uh, annual filing of the racial profile report to the Texas Commission on Law Enforcement as required, and it's all within reason and it has been accepted. Okay. Do you have a motion to accept that? That's a question. Oh, yes. I signed up to speak to this. I have just a couple questions for the, the deputies here. Um, do you have license plate readers in your squad cars? Not at all of them, but we do have license plate readers. In some of the squad cars, drug interdiction. So, so only the drug interdiction officers have license plate readers. Okay. Um, as you're probably aware, the constables have been coming through here for third profile reports. And I noticed there was no searches. Neither one of our north, northern county uh, constables did any searches. And Mr. Burnson, if you're going to pose a question to him, let him respond. Mm -hmm. I said very seldom constables do that. You know, as far as Law enforcement does searches because of the problem calls when they get on a, a stop. And in other words, like drug addiction, if you also look at the arrests they made, you would see that would be way different compared to what we do every day in, in, in the sheriff's office. Thank you. Okay. Do I have a motion to approve that profiling report? Move we acknowledge the 2022 racial profiling report submitted by the Fit County Sheriff's Office. Second. Uh, McBroom and Sternoddle, all in favor say aye. Aye. Uh, Opposed, motion carries. Considering the approving the audit. Approving the audit, uh, asset forfeiture reports by law enforcement agencies, sheriff and Fayette County Narcotics Unit as required by the Code of Criminal Procedures. Are you going to talk about that? Who is, who's going to be discussing that? This is that? the report that we have to return okay. annually. Um, on our, after our year has closed, the sheriff's gets turned in, and so this is narcotics to the state, to Ken Paxton office. And uh, as you can see, I've included a report as to what we have turned in. <coughs> Do y'all have any questions on it? 
So the balance is negative right now. In the forfeiture uh, narcotics one, yes. Uh, I have sent out bills to the two cities that are involved, which is City of Schimmelberg and City of LaGrange, that total 42000 And I have also informed Peggy and other sheriff's department of this, and they have a committee, I think, that forms together and makes the decisions on that. Is there, do you all know of any I mean, I know Flatonia pulled out a number of years back. Is there any thought to get them back in? Well, well I was trying. Okay. So, what, what was that? Flatonia is not in. What Crom got Lee over there? Back he pulled, yeah, they pulled they, out. It was divided between every uh, municipality. Actually, it's a, they paid for one position. So, there's two narcotics officers in the county that deal with all our local narcotics that go all the way around, you know, every town. So when they pulled out, then you got everybody, the county and the other two cities made up the difference. And what you're seeing in there is funds that come in and then of course pay raises and everything else that came on there, it adds up over time. I mean, who's who's on the committee, do we know? I think in discussion we talked, it was uh, the two, the cities, what the, the, the city mayor? police chief, the sheriff, and the county attorney. Can we yeah. just see that they come up with a plan or something to try to level it back out? Yes, I, I emailed Peggy, which is what I got, gave y'all a copy of what I emailed her, plus uh, I think in talking with Lieutenant Byron and Chief this morning that they're going to try and reach out back to Flatonia and the, see if they can't form. The auditor made us aware of this. Uh, I got the email this morning, and uh, since I got the email, <laughs> In the past, I've been able to call the chiefs and, and talk to them and say, hey, we've got a shortage of money, funds here, the checks are being, and they've been very acceptive or, or been able to uh, uh, send the checks when required, whatever the payments were due. So now that I have that email and I know that there's an issue, I, I will take care of it today. And I will also contact the chief in Flatonia and see if they are interested in getting back on. Very good. Yeah, I hope he would. Good Lord. And this is <laughs> well, I agree. Uh, you know, there were some political issues back there many years ago, and, and but now that we have a new chief in place and he's kind of there, I think if I talk to him, he may be willing to do that. But I'll, I'll take care of that today. Sure. And have a report for y'all next week. Thank you, Lieutenant. Yeah. Yes, this sir. issue just came up within the last week because we had to file this this <clears> month. <throat> and in looking through the files, I see nothing has been done since 2015 for six, so. 2015 with? With the city's, city increasing or anything. When, when, when did Flatoni stop back? 2017. And how long has Chief Digman there? I don't know. A couple of years, yeah. yeah. Right, Lieutenant? Probably a little over a year. <clears throat> but he just hasn't been, but y'all haven't had any conversation with him about this yet, but you oh, will now. We, we yeah. have not. I got you. We were helping Flatonia at the time because when he took over, they lost they a lot of issues. Oh, yeah. So, Fayette County Sheriff's Office actually took over. We had people signed that took care of the city of Flatonia. We, we, covered, all, we covered calls in Flatonia for pretty good while. They're caught up now. They, they finally got some folks yeah. in place. So, we, we have a great working relationship with the new chief there. So, I think if I can give a call and, and talk to him, I think we, we can get this done. Excellent. We'll let you know something by next week. We get a call at the city, they need backup, we go help them, and if we get one right outside of the county, they'll come help us. Very good. Works really well. We'll try to get that fixed. Thank you, Lieutenant. Yes, sir. I'll make a motion we accept that. The procedures. 
Do I have a second? Second. Second by Commissioner Sternaudel. All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. We've got Judge Charles Zappalak with us. Our next item, here a report from Justice of the Peace, Precinct 3, Judge Charles Zappalak. Judge? Okay, so in um, past meeting, y'all had some concerns about my collections being lower than the rest of the precincts in, in the county. And as y'all spoke about at that meeting, historically, Precinct 3 is always probably the lowest precinct. I have some uh, from 2007 to 2012. 22, I have all the collections and, and all four precincts um, collections there to kind of compare for, for the commissioners there. But I think we all kind of agree on that. I'm not going to go over too much. I mean, it's something y'all can take and look at, look at it and kind of see where all the precincts fluctuate and up and down. But our biggest um, deal now is we don't get the tickets we used to. We had a for you for the first. Four, four years that I was elected, we had a trooper Culp was in our uh, precinct. He was weights and measures. He stopped lots of trucks. He inspected the trucks. We got a lot of tickets from him, and those tickets were would range from $200 to up to $5,000, maybe a little bit more for overweight tickets. And um, since he's retired, we don't have that anymore. And for probably a year and a half, two years, he went to the border. He went to the Capitol for, for security there. So that, that took a lots of tickets away from us. We also have uh, the, the traffic cop here for Fayette County. He does a, a, a great job for us, but there's so many other things, you know, he's, he's spread out, you know, he, he can't work our precinct all the time. He does courthouse security, I believe. Round top comes up, um, bike a thumb, you know, those things like that take him away from writing tickets in our precinct. I-10 is not our big ticket spot. Uh, 71 between Oviedo now and in, in, uh, Ace Hardware, that's where most of our tickets come in from. So uh, I think another concern was the dismissal of tickets here. So if you look in Odyssey at a ticket, it'll say dismissed. Yes, those tickets are dismissed, but they're dismissed, if you click on it, they're dismissed by driver safety course or deferred disposition. Tickets do not get dismissed or just thrown out, I guess what you would say, thrown out. That that, that does not happen. Now, now, there are some cases where things can be remedied. You know, you'll get a ticket for failure to maintain financial responsibility. That person may not have proof of insurance with them at that time, but they had a valid insurance policy. So they'll get the ticket written for failure to main, maintain financial responsibility. Usually, the, the deputy will have a note on the ticket, just could not verify it. So when that when that defendant calls in, we call the insurance company, we verify it. So those tickets can be remedied. And on, those, on tickets like that, what I normally do is, it, it's a $20 dismissal fee on tickets like that. And, because they did have insurance at that time. So that'd be the only time a ticket would get dismissed if there was something that would be, that could be remedied by. Um, another thing is nowadays you have a lot more people that can't afford to pay their tickets, so they file indigent paperwork. Those people just want to take care of it. They send their paperwork in. They cannot afford to pay the ticket, but they ask for community service or something. So that's getting to be a, a bigger thing these days with us is the people that just cannot afford.
afford it, but want to take care of it. So community service, there's no monetary collection for the county. Um, I don't do a lot of community service, but in those cases, yes, I do go ahead and allow it. We use all the resources we have available to us to collect tickets. I mean, there's, uh, there's not a whole lot. What we do is um, courtesy letters is our first step. If somebody doesn't show up to pay their ticket, we send out courtesy letters. And, it, and if somebody does call and make arrangements to pay their ticket but still defaults, we send show calls letters. Um, it, it's, it's a lot of work in those, getting those letters out every month. There's, there's lots of paperwork there to be done. Uh, then, if not, no action is still taken, we send the warrants, warrant notifications, and also we use the Omni database. Omni database is where if you do not pay your ticket, you're in warrants, you, you go into Omni database, you cannot get your driver's license renewed. So that process there, it could take up to two years to get your, for them to come back and pay, or seven years, it depends when they need to renew their license. Um, also, we use a collection agency, Purdue Brandon. We send all our cases over to them. They try to collect for us. They, they get a good response, especially this time of the year. They send out lots of, lots of warrant notifications. We see, a, we see a good response. But there's certain times of the year around the holidays, you do not see the response from those, from those defendants that, that have those open tickets. They just are not gonna pay. Then you have the people out there that are just not going to pay the ticket. That's the life they choose to live. They're, they're not going to come out and pay. It's kind of, can't squeeze blood out of a turnip. It's just not going to happen. They're not going to do it. And uh, they're just going to run around with a no driver's license. People with no driver's license, it's hard to do anything with them. They get a ticket, there's no way we can enforce that. There's no way to track them down. There's no database to put them in. And we do get a few little people that pay, but it's just not going to happen. You know? So, um, do you all have any questions for me as yeah. far as getting them collected? Yeah, like I was the one that the words dismissal came out of my mouth, but I wasn't accusing you or your office of dismissing. I was just trying to get to the point of, and it was way before your time, because I got here at 15, and we've right. always been the lowest. So I was trying to, the re, what I was trying to say, and I didn't say it very well, but I was trying to say is why, why are we the smallest and we're the largest precinct? And I understand it comes to, maybe we don't have as many highways going through us, but why why has precinct three always been why do we have such the least the less amount of tickets being written in our precinct it had nothing to do with dismissal because i didn't mean it that way but it was written that way and some people like well was he mad at charles or something but no i so i didn't mean it that way because i have no idea I, we're in the same office same building charles runs his office i run mine we don't even discuss things like that but so i was trying to get it as why don't we have more tickets coming in there and i understand because i remember when kodak was there we would see them quite often in the office, and now it's all gone. I, I personally would like to see uh, DPS trooper stationed somewhere at Flatonia if we could make it work. I think that would I think that would help because we do. We've got a lot of oil traffic to come through there, mm -hmm. and uh, you know they they're not the best drivers, and I know they could write those guys some tickets. But I just it's always been that way, and I've got comments from people like, what, what's going on? Why don't y'all have more there? And I was like, I just don't think there's tickets there to collect. So, that's, 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 that's the bottom that, line. Yeah, that's the, the bottom, bottom line. line. That's what I was trying to get at. That's why I wanted you to come, because I knew you would come and explain exactly what's going on. If, if we don't have the tickets, we can't collect. Right. But still, I think where we're at over there, we're, I guess it's um, we have the less, less population, the less reason for 
for the sheriff's department to come down there, I guess you'd say. And then we, I know we have the interstate, but still interstate, like we said, they catch them when they get back towards Engel back there. Yeah. Uh, it's just not, it's just not happening for us. Yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah, if we could get the Denver, that would be great. I mean, we have that extra office back there. That would be great. I thought at one time the city might, might have had a spot they had provided at one time. I don't know. And on the judge's uh, behalf, there also, we used to have three license and weights in Tech County, in case you remember that. Daryl was one of them, but we don't, they all left, and then we got one back now for the whole county. And, and I, they work different hours. They work federal. They work in the right. town of federal. We've got major 18-wheeler problems. And you get big revenue off of license and weight, which no commissioner wants to hear because y'all got 18-wheelers. But you know what I mean when it comes to checking trucks and stuff like that. But as far as anything else, you know, call volume went up, PBS troopers are gone. We, we've got a new district here, in case you didn't know. It's right next to Commissioner McBurden's office. We're going to put them over there in the Meadows building. And that district, they're going to eventually have eight troopers in our county, which helps because that's what they do, traffic enforcement. They don't make assaults. They don't make burglaries. They don't make the things that we have to go and do every day and provide security and stuff like that. So just to let you know, and then going to the border and then going to everything in Austin, in our region, when that phone call comes, they're gone. And you may not have a trooper here. There was a times that we were working most of the wrecks and because we had to wait for a trooper to come out of Bastrop or Austin to come here. Nothing wrong. They were all in this together, but they're providing security for each and every one of us at the border and in Austin or wherever anything disrupts, that's what they take care of. So the, it, weights, and, and, the weights and measures guy, too, if I understand correctly, he's not under Sergeant Banta either. He's no, he's under not. another sergeant somewhere else. That's correct. He is not. Sergeant Banta <coughs> will have his own group, which will eventually be eight here. He's a great man, and we have a great bunch of troopers in this county. They, they back us up on calls. We work wrecks for them just like they work wrecks. And believe me, any one of you, Schoenberg, Patonia, if you know how many wrecks are out on I-1077, it's not, I mean, it's just, it's not always about uh, the speed. It's about driver inattention that causes these wrecks. And one major wreck out there could put officers out of service for hours out there. Judge knows it. It's fatality. He sees how much it is to clear everything out on there. Now, I don't blame everybody. I don't blame the Sheriff's Department for not wanting to go out on I-10 and write tickets no. because those people have absolutely zero common sense out there. <laughs> I mean, they will wipe you off the whole road and just keep on cruising like they absolutely did. We're on I-10 every day, every day, in Schoenberg, all the way up and down. Yes, and I'm really helping yes. citizens. We're writing tickets there. Just you don't see it because we got to take them off. They got to go make calls. They're not sitting there just writing tickets all day. Right. They have to go respond to our county's needs. Well, the best thing you can do is get all by tennis fans. In the collection of the fines back years ago, there was a threat of jail if you didn't pay your tickets. That isn't the case anymore. Mm -hmm. right. There's no threat of jail time. So if they don't want to pay their tickets, there's no consequences. It's really in there. And they so, can actually lay out their jail time on class C tickets, and that's what y'all are talking about here. Money collections of people that can't get the money, so they ask. With the judge's permission, they can stay in jail, plead guilty with the ticket, with the JP court's permission, and they can lay the fine out in jail. Right. But the jails are so overpopulated, Class C tickets weren't even accepted for a while, you know, even in our county. 
So most of them I do not lay out because I feel like it costs the county more money to put that person in there to feed them. So that's the reason I do, I try not to lay out. I try to oh, that's good. do community service to keep y'all exactly. down on that. And no, from the Sheriff's Department, I mean, they do a great job. They'll spread out a long way. So, you know, that's, there's lots of area to cover for those guys. So but if there's anything that we can think of, I'd be willing to work with and trying to get more fines collected if there's any other resource that we can. You can send them uh, picking traffic. I mean, picking uh, trash on I-10. Dodging death a couple of times, they might not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the if somebody gets a ticket and then they say they, they don't ever pay it, a warrant goes out red, but they're not going to go to jail because there's no room. No. So then when they renew their license, can they renew their license with the warrant? Well, so if you put them in the Omni database, they cannot renew their license. But if you do not use Omni, you cannot. But then, but then if they put them in Omni, they can't renew their driver's license. Now they're driving without a driver's license. It's just a vicious circle. Yes, right. it just keeps on going. I mean, every day. Yeah. It happens every day on every street in our state. I think that's something like they choose to give the legislature to. It's a snowball. I don't know if I say figure out for us because they may not figure out the best interest for us. Right. If it keeps going like that, does the fine get big enough to then it does turn into a felony or anything like that? Eventually, no, it never gets that big. They'll get another ticket for a failure to appear, and then so that's another four hundred and twenty-three dollars. Price goes so, up. Yeah, the price goes up. But then I, I might add something. We checked into the failure to appear. The state gets the majority of that money. Right. So we just added another four hundred dollar ticket. And the county didn't get any of that money. The state got it. Their surplus gets bigger. So, <laughs> do I hear a motion to accept Judge uh, Jatna Zaplex's report? I move to accept the report from Justice of the Peace, Precinct 3, Charles Zaplex. Okay, motion Second. is made by Commissioner Birkenhoff, seconded by Commissioner Brosman. All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. Angela Hahn, our emergency management coordinator and grant specialist. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. So I sent y'all a written report. There's a couple things I want to add to it, though. Uh, the KBD, KBDI index is, has gone up to 71 over 60. There are still some red flag warnings in the west part of the state, but we've not received and not been placed on movement or anything. So as we comment, as we keep saying, you know, y'all use common sense if you confirm. I'll dispatch them though. Uh, on the GLO mitigation funds, this is semi good news. Uh, the GLO did approve the COGS method of distribution as of last Friday. So they are going to, um, the next step is that they have to hold two public hearings. One will be at CAPCOG and the other will be here in Fayette County. And it's going to be at the EMS building on March 22nd, starting at 2 o'clock. And we will get official notice from CAPCOG, and we'll, we'll be required to post that public notice and we'll push it out through social media. This is an opportunity for people to come and talk about the mitigation uh, funds that we're getting and what actions, what projects we might want to consider. So my understanding is of the $26 million that's coming to Fayette County, the county will get a certain portion, and then each city will get their own funds. Uh, I don't know if they'll have to apply through us like they did with the first round of Harvey. I haven't seen the method of distribution yet. So if, if they don't have to, then they will simply apply to the state on, or to GLO on their own behalf. And we as a county will have 
the ability to uh, look at some projects that we see might be worthwhile. Uh, that will be a public meeting at 2 o'clock, and so we can have that posted, and that way y'all can all attend. That's on the 22nd? Yes, sir. And that'll 22nd. be at EMS. The, uh, we, we're trying to pull everything in one where people get used to having it sure. uh, there. So I don't, if you have any questions about the report, I don't, I'll be glad to go over it, but I know you don't agree. Oh, one other thing. Paul and I have been working on this glass grant. Do y'all remember that? And, you know, our original application was for cubicle or uh, bins so we could just increase our glass pickup. So the company who is the foundation who is willing to uh, fund these projects has come back to Paul a couple of times and hey, we have more money. We'd be glad to give it to you if you'll do this. We're talking about recycling. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. Uh, and, and basically what they want is instead of the county pulverizing the glass, they want us to ship it to a, a facility and then they use it, they truly recycle it back into glass, right? So there's a, there's a cost associated with that, but the grant looks like it will cover the majority of it. And Paul said in the long run it would see about $3,500 to be good for the county. Right. So does the cost savings outweigh the process that we would have to, you know, entail to do that? Um, I don't know. It's be hard. Does the, does the glass take, I mean, the bottles take a lot of space, don't they? Can they be pulverized, pulverized and then No. 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 Uh, they don't want but to it also costs money to run that crusher. Yeah, yeah that crusher's and old, too. the pressure too. gets, you know, something happens to the crusher, then we, so the, what I've asked Paul to do is reach back to the lady and say, are you willing to put all of this in writing? Because my concern is, is that, you know, we agree to do all this and then something comes up, and so I would you know, like, like to be a part of this process. <coughs> How would you ship that stuff? So they ship it in, in basically gravel trucks. So we have to, one of the things that we have to do is build a bunker to store approximately 25 tons at a time so that uh, when the truck comes in, we can load 22 tons onto the truck at maximum capacity. Um, I mean, our glass crusher is definitely outdated. To replace it, it costs about approximately $400,000 for that same thing. Uh, the other option is we uh, pitch it in the trash and discontinue the glass program. Uh, we're definitely going to want run the glass crusher as long as we can. But uh, this is just one of the alternatives. If, you know, if we there's an end market, and that's the goal of the U.S. Glass Foundation is to get the product to the end market. But how do we do that? And what do we want to invest in that? Is it something? It's not going to be a money making deal for us, but it will cost out, uh, it will uh, possibly help cover the cost of the current program and uh, maybe reduce that. You know, I estimate roughly $10,000 a year just to keep the glass crusher operable. And um, if we sell the glass uh, to them, and the shipping is what, what it's going to cost us. And the current rate is $16.50 a ton after they pay for uh, you know the little bit they're, they're willing to pay us. Is it something that we want to invest in building a bunker? And so the uh, Sarah at the Glass Foundation sees that there is money out there. Uh, possibly we could increase the grant to cover building the bunker. But the wear and tear in the machine, loading it, storing it, is the turnaround time on the pickup going to be, you know, uh, a realistic date when they give it to us, you know, uh, he said normally three to five days they can get a truck out to us. So it's a lot of 
variables and moving parts in the whole program. Um, it's just something we're trying to work through. How much would it increase the, the garbage fees, like the, the roll-off and stuff? If you did away with the glass program, you just threw it away. So at you the LaGrange, just I know it's hard to LaGrange facility, we have a set rate of $695 uh, per pickup. So we could put the glass in there. It wouldn't increase our, our fee. But in Schulenburg, that uh, the way that contract was designed uh, with the city of Schulenburg, they call it Packer, and uh, they charge us per ton in there. So we would definitely see it in Schulenburg, you know, increase over there. Uh, we take approximately one and a half tons of glass every day. Wow. So, you know, regardless of we're open, you know, we have roll sites, but that average is one and a half tons. Across the whole county. The stuff in Schulenburg, can, it wouldn't be worth <clears throat> Just taking it and hauling it back to the Grange. I mean, that's what you'd have to do with it in, instead of crushing, you know, the glass in Schindelberg, whatever. Instead of dumping it in the dumpster, haul it back, and then if you get the bunker built, that would be the way to do it, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. And so part of this grant, original grant, was to build uh, a, a better, heavier built bin to transport the glass, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, that's originally what we applied for in the $20,000 grant. They've come back and said, we'll give you $21,000, the other $1,000 is for education. Now, Sarah's come back and said there's more money uh, from the foundation. They want to fund something in the state of Texas. So uh, they would help us build a bunker too, you know. What's uh, the, wouldn't it be more feasible for them? How many counties in the area take the glass besides us? No you know, right? SMI, Strategic Metals, uh, they have 60 plants scattered across the United States. The nearest ones to us are Hobby near the airport and Palestine. So, I mean, wouldn't it be more beneficial if they would say, yeah, why don't we just go ahead and give you this money to where you just replace your glass machine and just keep doing the great job recycling the way you are using it that way? But it's not going to an end product, uh, and they want it going to an end product. So SMI, what they do, they have contracts with Owens Corning, Certainty, they have solution manufacturers, and they use it in fiberglass insulation, and they also use it in uh, making new bottles. And I guess they can't take the, they can't melt the glass the way they want if it's already crushed. I guess that's a He deal. said the value goes down if it's crushed. He said, uh, you know, we wouldn't, we wouldn't have an outlet for it if it's crushed because obviously, well, and then still it's costly to the county if we crush it and then load it and you know, haul it down to it. But it cuts down on your freight because you know all that. Well, legal limit up to yeah but size wise and loading time and everything it's just easier smaller truck sure so, so that's just some of the stuff that's going on we just want to let you know about that because it's it's kind of an ongoing discussion very good just about the uh the with the conversation with you and tyler about the homes down there i've been reading all the emails i've been <laughs> center point so, is the issue. i have not heard from center point so i may have you help me with that uh, I've called CenterPoint and I've emailed CenterPoint's customer service or business service to tell them we now own these properties. Please get us on the list to cap the utilities. The utilities are off, but they have to be capped. I, they've not called to respond to me. So uh, Tyler's reached out to them, mm -hmm. and their response to Tyler was, "We have to have somebody from the county call. Somebody from the county has called." Mm -hmm. So, uh, but Tyler is moving forward with scheduling the bid blocks for the demo contractors. They will be out there. You'll see them uh, for the piece, for the properties we purchased here last month. The there was one holdout, if y'all will remember, who the property owner was a, a, a 
appealing their appraisal. They did win that appeal. The appraisal was uh, up $25,000, so Tyler's reworking their office. That will take care of all the property on Country Club. There are still three pieces of property within the city limits of the Grange that are eligible for this uh, buyout, but and right now, it's kind of, they've kind of just stopped talking about it. So Tyler's been reaching out to them. I don't know what's going on with that yet. So we're waiting on <clears throat> the walkthroughs to be done. In the next, I think first of March, next week yes. they're going to be coming. But we're still waiting. Center Point has to cap these. Yes, and gas apparently lines. it takes two to four weeks to get on their list to get out here, somebody out here. So we've been working on getting Center Point to respond for a good month, six weeks. <coughs> maybe it would help if the county commissioner calls. Maybe, okay. maybe you need to do it. <coughs> so okay. We have a motion. I move we accept the report from Angela Hahn, Emergency Management Coordinator. Commissioner Broston makes that motion. Second. Second by Commissioner Birkenhoff. All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. I move we take a 10 minute recess. <laughs> I second the motion. Okay, we're in recess for 10 minutes. All those in favor? Aye. All right, we'll come back into session. Do I have a motion to? Reconvene. I move we reconvene. Okay, Commissioner Birkenhoff. Second. Second by Commissioner Bro uh, Brosman. We're back in business and we're going to talk to. I'm sorry. All in favor, oh, all in favor say aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carries. Thank you. Uh, request from the Ellinger Chamber of Commerce to use ARP funds to rewire the 1935 mm. Community Center. We've Good got morning. Mr. Slaubach with us. I feel like I'm on Shark Tank here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> As y'all know, in the Ellinger's 1935 Hall was at once a school where the dance floors was actually the basketball court. Well, by the way, I would pay to watch you on Shark Tank. <laughs> <laughs> um, we host the local fire departments. Um, St. Mary's has their feast there. We have weddings. Mount Pilgrim out of Fayetteville um, and does their priest every year to there. Um, it's a pretty neat little place. Like I'll give you an example. We have one lady there. She went to school there, and then she's seen her daughter get married, her granddaughter get married. I mean, it's generations. Um, it was a pretty rough state shape, and um, we've got a good board together. We work hard. Um, I'll put it like this: I remember when Commissioner McBroom got married there. They had to drape the walls because it was like 1962 paneling. It wasn't. Even, we came in with all new beadwork. We refinished the floors. We saved and paid and put a brand new roof on. Remodeled back, and we remodeled basically the whole hall, even outside where the pavilions are. They had a seven foot roof. When the fire department would barbecue their chicken, it was like an oven. They said, We can't do it. So we built a new pavilion. We've got mainly almost all concrete because people were falling into ruts. As problems arise, we got them fixed. I walked out about six weeks ago and I looked up, and one thing we noticed was none of the we have bingos there for the elderly and young people, and we couldn't keep roasters on. And we had never had a problem before. It's just like, couldn't keep a roaster going. Um, people would come in used to, they rent margaritas machines. And it's just like everything just started wearing down, wearing down. Well, I walked outside and I looked up and I just see a long bird wire, which is black. That's weird. So we're working on something, grabbing a dumpster. He said, well, let me go figure out where this thing is, if it's hot. He said, that wire's hot. Well, you can't find where it's coming from. Long story short, I called an electrician, he came with, you probably need to rewire it. I said, how much is that? He's probably about 120000 I said, well, can you come give me an estimate? Yeah. Never showed up. Called him again. Never showed up. Called again. So 
What I get is, um, I call it, y'all seen like, wow. when you look, we've still got cloth wiring originally from 1935. We've got electrical boxes that are legal to use in the United States, um, breaker boxes. Um, so we called Mr. Rosenbaum, and he came highly recommended, and he came out, and then he came out again with a crew. And I'm going to say it like this. We have enough insurance. <coughs> We're going to haul bird down. We can replace it. We don't want to replace it. We have a true joy of Fayette County here. Like I said, people come. We've got the air conditioning. It's a very, very affordable facility to use when the community needs it, such as um, there's a couple of y'all here who've been in forums up there because we do those for free. Um, EMS needs them to teach CPR classes. We donate it for that. You know, We're very community involved. But then I'm going to let him tell you the gist of it because it's actually pretty bad. So. Good morning. My name is Blake Rosenbaum. I'm with Rosenbaum Electric. This is my dad, Ben. Uh, when Mike called, we went and looked, and he was talking about that burned wire. They could not find anywhere to turn it off. Went late Friday night to trying to get something going. I came back the next day with the crew to try to figure out what's going on here. We started at the main. They got three different power sources feeding into the hall, which is you just can't do that for the fire safety hazard, you need one main or under six mains, one meter, there's three different meters attached to the building that feeds into this. Uh, we end up finding where that power comes in, it's on the back of the stage, it's all being fed from the barbecue pavilion, which is 100 foot away from the hall building. Um, that's the main, the most concerning is you have multiple power sources feeding into this building. If there is a fire, you turn off one panel, but you don't realize two-thirds of the building is still being fed by other panels because it's, it's meters all around. Um, the Currently in there, when this hall was built, Romex wiring was the best thing that they had out. I uh, can't fault them for using it. It's only wire that was available. To today's codes, it would never pass as a residential. It's residential-type wiring only. This needs to be put in conduit or a flex metal cable that we call the MC cable. Um, the wire is very old, it's a cloth type wire. You just rub it with your hands and you can rub down to the copper itself. I mean, it's, there's no insulation value left on the wire. It's, it's just it's done its time. Um, involved with this, at the time that it was built, it was a two wire system we call, which means all of your plugs, everything is it's on the grounded system. Uh, you take a chance of burning stuff up, even plugging in something wrong backwards, if getting shot with a polarity can be wrong on anything. Um, what this would involve would be put all brand new switches, plugs, adding multiple circuits in the kitchen area, other parts of the hall on the stage where they, right now they have extension cords on the stage coming down to plug in different things. Uh, all of this would be in a permanent type conduit where, you know, it, it's a ready to go hall with electrical. Um, the, uh, Doing this rewiring, what it does involve is all the light fixtures in the uh, hall. Anything that has old wiring would have to come down. We'll get new wiring to it. A bunch of the existing plugs that are in the walls. Without them opening up the walls, what we've decided to do is be conduit surface mounted on walls. It can be painted later on, or a lot of it will blend in fine with the hall, just the uh, color that conduit is. Um, there's a number of uh, safety items. I mean, there's lights. We'll be adding lights in different dark areas. Um, just bringing it up to current code. Um, it did, uh, I know there's not 
an inspection code inspector out in that area. Uh, that doesn't matter. Uh, it's still going to be wired to our current National Electrical Code. Uh, it'll pass any kind of inspections. And uh, this is just this is for my personal selfish reasons. A lot of people are scared to go work a wedding or dance because if there's a breaker or something breaks, there's one, like, probably seven or eight boxes, they don't even know where to go. And we're starting to get more and more volunteers as we improve the hall and it's kind of a nicer place to be seen at and to work at. And like I said, I mean, my only sales pitch is with everything we've done, we put a brand new roof on there because it was leaking. We got PEX going, we've got everything done. This will, unless somebody came and did arson, this will push us into the uh, 22nd century. I mean, this is a, we're trying to go on basically a 100 year plan. Of course, there's gonna be things here and there, but with the new PEX plumbing, the new roof, the new buildings, we're in pretty good shape for the next generation. But I don't even like to sit coming here, I'm kind of blind. I don't even know if there's funds left to help us. So, but the total bill is $110,924.40. And I'm very, very, very confident with them doing this. I've been very impressed with their professionalism. It's a people eater breaker box. Huh? Pacific Electric, people eater. That's yeah. what they're, they're referred to back in the day. There is they a, burned up houses and we got a, killed a lot of people. We got, we do it, I mean, not a weekly, but definitely monthly basis on houses being sold. Those FPE panels get rolled up before the deal can close, those have to be changed out. And uh, they just work too good, they don't ever trip out, they just burn up. <laughs> we don't want to lose that old place, it's a good old hall. <laughs> do, do we have a figure on what's left on our running total allocated money? We went through that, um, was it last week? We went through uh, and, and looked at, uh, calculated what we've expended, what we've obligated. And, and at this point, we have $366,000 left. Now, that being said, uh, we could go Friday, uh, City <coughs> called me about the repeater and antennas off of 77 that our volunteer fire department uses a paging system and apparently LCRA has been piecemealing that and they can no longer do so. So it's gonna to have to be replaced and that is a public safety issue. Um, the only dollar amount I can tell you that I have, it's not, I don't have anything in stone, is, is $23,000 to $25,000. I also got a request uh, Sunday from a lady from Carmine for the Carmine Community Center for $7,500. Those are the two, along with Bellingers, those are the, the three things that I know that are still possibles that could be used uh, that we use funding so is that is that with the ambulance that yes that's and the probation department no it's not including the probation department we don't have any figures on that it includes the sheriff's department vehicles uh the ambulance everything but probation because we didn't have any i mean I think we're just we we haven't got any figures. We we're just roughly putting well, one hundred fifty thousand. The on. other thing, though, uh, Cindy, wasn't there something in that we looked and there was something in the budget for the courthouse buildings? Remember? For for but that was for um, I don't know what it was for. The metals building for remodeling for the DPS office. Metals building and and the finer things. I mean, I think it's great to redo these old halls because, I mean, you can't build these anymore. 
that's the whole deal. There's not, I mean, how many square feet is it? Probably 8,000, something like that. Yeah, at $200 square foot? Yeah, <laughs> like I said before. Nobody can afford it. The floor was built in 1935. Like I said, the dance floor you're dancing on was actually the basketball court of the old yeah. school. Because the old school was in the front corner there. Yeah, yeah. And, moved in. and then they peacefully, and like I said, and I'm not, it's funny when I first was there and then I became president, I came to my mom's house one day and she said, you didn't tell me. I said, what? She said, you didn't tell me. I said, what? She goes, you're the president of the chamber of commerce? I said, yeah. She goes, well, that's a big, I said, mom, that's not a big deal. She goes, it's a big deal. I said, it's not. I'm the only one that would do it. That's a true story. Well, I don't doubt it for a minute. That's a true story. Like I said, we've tried to try to try, but this one's a big, big apple. I mean, like I said, I think it's great. I just don't, I, I mean, so my suggestion might be that what we've done with the Fair Association is that we've capped the amount that they're going to be able to get, right, at which I'll approve. Yes. So what they're going to do is when they start their, their work, they will uh, send us drawdown invoices and they'll get to that whatever the amount was that y'all approved. You can do the same thing with this project if you want. Uh, so that being on the off chance, and I'm not doubting these gentlemen because I don't want to do electrical work, but on the off chance that it comes in higher or lower, then you'll know what you're capping it at. So you know, we can't do everything. We we've got we, we will go out there and bust our tails to get the rest. We guarantee that. You know, whatever we can to get us up. That's we're big to bake, but we're kind of desperate. We've got to get this done because our biggest risk of anything right now is fire. What do you think? That's your precinct. Waiting for some comments. <laughs> no, I think it's great. Y'all do a good job. Y'all got a reasonable rate on y'all's hall rent. A lot of people use it. Um, I think it's a very, very good thing. And these old historic halls are something we definitely want to preserve if any way possible. Does it, yeah. yeah. You know. Yeah. <clears throat> now I would like to see us uh, try to help you guys out. So we do have the money available with things we need to do. If we don't have probation in there, so keep that. So how much money do we have right now? Three hundred. Well, what what we for everything it's three hundred sixty-six thousand. Three sixty-six is to take it down to two fifty-six. We know we need twenty-five thousand for the intention. Two twenty-five. Uh, and then seventy-five hundred for parking if that's what you want. That still leaves us a little bit. A little bit extra if something else because I think the sheriff's department vehicles may go over a little bit because if we had the canine or the the, uh, the canine officer's truck and then we're still looking at a mental health vehicle that will be because we only budgeted I think 150 for that and they had these 80 for the prisoner transport it's going to be a little close but we'll still have wiggle room so what do y'all think about the figure Eighty thousand dollars, Michael. What do you think about that? I'll take anything. <laughs> you give me eighty, and I'll call Dave Weiss in the day, and I'll figure out the rest. What do y'all think, Richard? I mean, I'm not opposed to like that. And then, I mean, if we get a little closer, we get down the road, and I mean, we see something is is we have money left over. Just we don't want to give out more than we have. Right. right. And I don't want to put this is for the yeah. community, not Ellen. It's for the whole community. I get that, like I said. Yeah, 
Well, <laughs> I can do that. Commissioner Sternon will make yeah, the motion that we we give the uh, the grant money eighty thousand dollars. Thank you. Uh, do I have a second? Second. Second by Commissioner McGroom. All in favor, say aye. Uh, aye. Opposed. Okay, Michael. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. Thank you. I might say one thing real quick. Uh, it is a lot of work involved in it, and we get in the middle of it, get it tore out. Y'all are welcome to come look. <laughs> I'm uh, 40 years in my business. It took over about five years ago, and uh, I'm going to tell you, it's a lot of work. I, I, I believe it. Thank y'all. Thank y'all. Good seeing y'all. Approving the official bond. That's for the county judge. Am I right, Cassie? I'm sorry. Uh, yes, sir. That is yours. Yeah. I hear a motion. I so move. Commissioner Sternoddle. Second. Second by Commissioner Birkenhoff. All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. To, uh, authorize the purchase of a copier, printer, scanner, fax machine for the county attorney's office. Uh, yes, so just as something that Peggy had put on the commissioner's court, um, I believe it's a purchase through the forfeiture fund. Um, so you can correct me if I'm wrong on that. Um, but it's to replace the copier printer that's in our office uh, right now. I'm not sure if we'll get the new one or Peggy will get the new one. We'll get their old one. I'm not sure how that will work, but um, it's just a request for purchase through the forfeiture fund. Mm -hmm. Do we authorize the purchase of a copier printer, scanner, fax machine? The county attorney's office using the Motion made second by Commissioner Brosman, seconded by Commissioner Birkenhoff. All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. Consider and take appropriate action on the MOU with the WIC for space being used at the Meadows building. This is just a memorandum of understanding for WIC at the Meadows building. They've been there for tw over 20 years and never had actual agreement. Uh, we're moving them from the front hallway to the back hallway, but in doing that, some DPS and just just having a record of what's mm -hmm. going on. Uh, so, kind of when we need to know when we're all gone, somebody knows who's there, and there's an agreement that's filed. Just kind of clears it all up. It's uh, uh, and like the commissioner said, we've been long-term partners with them. We anticipate being long-term partners with them. I know the court recently has kind of steered away from some longer-term agreements. I did put a ten-year term on there. Um, just so that we had something on there to, to the timeline so that we could review it, you know, at least every five years kind of thing. But There's a 10-year time, but with 90 days, it can be terminated mm -hmm. by either party. Um, and so it's a, it's very cooperative. Uh, we would be paying for their utilities like we have been. Uh, we would not be requiring them to pay rent like we have been. So it's essentially just a written form of what we've already been doing, um, just so that we have something that I'll make a motion that we uh, accept that, uh, take action on that and accept that, to have this agreement. Second the motion. Uh, second by Commissioner Birkenhoff. All in favor say aye. 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 Opposed, same as it carries. Now we go to the same item, only this is the County Colorado Youth Family Services. And this is just identical it's just for family use services for <coughs> they will be over at the uh, 
uh, Camp Street Annex, the old EMS building. Oh, They'll yeah. be using the first two offices when you <clears> walk <throat> in on the on the right. Uh, just the just their small offices. Yeah, I move we approve the memorandum of understanding with Colorado Youth and Family Services for the use of space on Camp Street Annex. Commissioner Birkenhoff. Second. Second by Commissioner Bozeman. All in favor say aye. Aye. Uh, these were at the Meadows building and they moved over to, we, that's where we found a place for That's good. Authorize the county judge and commissioners to attend the 89th annual County Judges and Commissioners Association Conference in June in San Antonio. I don't think any of the commissioners are going to be going there. Yeah, so. This was uh, a request early on, but the I put it on there to go, but the, the since been booked completely. The hotel is booked up. So. Yeah. So no action. Correct. No action. Okay. Next item is consider and take action declaring a 1999 John Deere backhoe salvage and surplus to be trade traded to be trade in by precinct two for another backhoe. Commissioner. Basically, it's just the old machine that I'm trading in and hopefully purchase a new one. Just a declared salvage, so I can trade it in. Or man, they're giving you fifty thousand. Uh, they're giving you fifty thousand. No, they're giving me twenty thousand. It's a fifty thousand dollars. If you look on there, I guess they got. They, is it on here? Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, it says trade in and or other credits. Oh, okay, I got you. Uh, discounts and trade. I got you. So it totals up to fifty thousand, but they're giving me twenty thousand. John Deere, I think, offered me sixteen. Uh, this is the they offered me twenty thousand. It, it's kind of just. I was gonna say they give you fifty. No, I wish they would. No, it's not quite that good. Deliver that bad boy. I wish they were, but uh, no, it's it's with all added together, it comes up to fifty thousand. Just to show how price changed that little back I got last year, just had delivered was one hundred twenty-five. Now it's 163. And that's something. We approve the action declaring the 1999 John Deere 410E backhoe salvage and surplus to be traded in by precinct two for another backhoe. Commissioner Brosman with that motion. Second. Second by Commissioner Birkenhoff. All in favor say aye. 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 <coughs> Opposed? Motion carries. The next item authorize the county auditor to advertise for lease purchase bids for a new front end loader for Road and Bridge Precinct number four. Yeah, I have a uh, older, very small 444H John Deere that I need to trade in and stuff. And uh, we're looking at most likely going with the John Deere. And the salesman told us that their contract through Sourcewell only runs through the end of the month. And that's the only, that's as far as he can guarantee his price he's gonna give me. And with the additions, with the other attachments and stuff, he didn't give me the final price yet. But if the final price is reasonable and good compared to all the rest of them I got. I just wanted to have this on there so then the auditor can start advertising for bids because it's going to go on lease purchase. And so uh, that's why I put this on there. And then I will come back to the commissioner's court whenever I have the final price and everything that I'm going to be getting. You got to move pretty quick, huh? Yeah. Uh, I'll make that motion that we approve that. Second. Second by Commissioner Sternoddle. All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. Consider and take appropriate action concerning approving the payment of currently due bills and expenses. Ms. Havelka? Um, I've submitted to y'all. Do y'all have any questions? I do have the fire departments going out on this one. Their first uh, payment that they all get equally. 
and I think that was like 41,700 to each one. And everyone submitted there. Mm -hmm. I don't know if every single one has, okay. but I've been emailing them mm -hmm. as they come in, so um, I can group them all together um, and let you know who has anything. So when you, have you sent the checks out yet? Or no, are you no. Okay. I've got a letter to go out with them, and I will check with Cassie before I do my last. Do you have any questions on the mm -hmm. other? I know I was asking, what's the Texas Parks and Wildlife fines? That is when a game warden writes a ticket, and most of this always occurs pretty much in precinct twos. Uh, when they get write a ticket, they get 85% of the fines that is um, um, assessed on their tickets. It goes to them. And then they have to write a report up and return it into the state. It's because of the lake out there, they write a lot of violations mm -hmm. on the on the power plant yeah. well, okay. must have been pretty good it was 2200 well this was several months i think she finally caught up okay. she kind of does it uh like maybe quarterly and tries to pay quarterly because we have you know pretty much all of the tickets right now in the lake area but that would be if they wrote a ticket for you know deer or anything in the whole entire county they get and the lcra gets the part but they don't get as much and the uh gardenia jansen 5241, is that for, it says grant? That's their public assistance. Yes, that's, that's her, the one that that's we do every uh, month for her that we uh, allocate every year. I refuse my vote. Okay. <coughs> <coughs> I move we pay the currently owed bills. Motion's been made by Commissioner Birkenhoff to pay the bill. Second. Second by Commissioner Sternoddle. All in favor say aye. Aye. Motion, uh, motion carries. <coughs> there will be no action on items 24, 25, and 26. I move we adjourn. Motion's been made by Commissioner McBroom to adjourn. Second. Second by Commissioner Sternoddle. All in favor say aye. 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 Motion carries. <coughs>